Welcome, Baruchim Abayim, to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday night programs with special guests. Tonight we have with us a very dear friend, Rabbi Ruben Kegel Shlita. Rabbi, welcome. How are you doing? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be at Chazak Worldwide Headquarters over here in Central Queens. <laughs> Rabbi, always a pleasure to see you, always with that smile and energy. And we're really excited about tonight's topic, which is the recipes for success. A topic I'm really uh, into, and I can't wait to hear your insights about it. But before we uh, delve into tonight's topic, uh, we have the Minahaga custom of asking the rabbi to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and the great work you're involved with. I know Emmett and many other great, uh, a little bit of background. Yeah, let's start. Let's okay, fine. Thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. You guys should continue, continue really with all the success that you guys are doing with the community. Um, okay, so a little bit about me. So up until a few months ago, I was from Russia, if anyone asked me. No way. Now, yes, now I'm from the Ukraine. <laughs> okay, I was, uh, before, if I said anyone's from the Ukraine, no one even knew who it was, whatever. Okay, now I'm officially from the Ukraine. I was born in Kiev, which is officially the capital of the Ukraine. I know the uh, rabbi for many years, by the way. I never knew that. Just really? So that okay, right. So the reason why not everyone knows that is because I was brought here by my parents when I was five years old. Oh. So, and you, I really developed, like, quite Americanized over here in, uh, in New Jersey. That's where I did most of my growing up. And, uh, I, you know, being an Ashkenazi uh, Russian from the former Soviet Union, I really did not know anything about Judaism. Um, I basically... when we very Russian. Yeah, really? Wow. No, no, I don't no. speak Russian. No, no, no. I just know that line. <laughs> right. So I definitely speak Russian. definitely helps me with the, the, the majority of our students. Uh, I can't say they're Russian at this point. Bukharian oh, Russian, but I'm saying they, they were already born here. Mm. You know, since so the major immigration stopped like in the early 90s. But, they, you know, they still know a few words here and there. It's, 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 so it's beautiful. So it's, it's great to be able to connect right away. So... Um, so anyway, so I grew up like with very, very religious uh, background. When I came to America, you know, I went. Through, we lived in a very, very, uh, you know, uh, not good neighborhood for the first couple of years. So they sent me to some kind of yeshiva, and then uh, which was okay, you know. And then third grade, we moved somewhere else, and then I started going to public school. And I really just I, I went to Hebrew school. I wasn't against anything, but I just really I was convinced. For, you know, for obvious reasons, because it's easier to live your life not thinking that Hashem wrote the Torah. So I was thinking, you know, it's convinced that Hashem exists, and, uh, you know, a bunch of guys wrote the Torah, you know, just to, whatever, just to keep us in line, I don't know. So I, the truth is, I didn't spend so much time thinking about it, because I was busy with, you know, all, all the good stuff in Olam Haza, you know, so, uh, in this world. So, so, uh, so I, I didn't give it so much thought. It's funny, I always tell the Students, I have a varied background because I didn't grow up religious. So I took, uh, I did a lot of sales in my life, and in sales, I have these three letters A, B, C, which means always be closing. Right. So I tell all the students that in Judaism, it's a different three initials A, B, T. Always be thinking. Ah. Right? You, you, you have to be thinking, and most of the time, people are not thinking. Like the Mitzvah Sharm writes, so everyone's like a horse with blinders going into battle, and we have to stop and think. So Bob Shem, I have a lot of great rebbeim in my life that keep me in line, and uh, we have to always be thinking. So anyway, so I'm not doing so much thinking, but when I was around uh, 20 years old, I got into a very bad car accident. Oh, you agree. So um, I, that also didn't get me to think too much, just a little bit, but not too much. 
but it got my parents to think. Mm. And my father really became observant after that. Because of the curry. Um, he was on path to that anyway, but it's sort of like, um, it was definitely Makavipatish. Uh, it made it happen. It, made, it, just, it, it helped, and it just helped him, like, whatever, it, not just that he, he was going to become observant anyway, but eventually. But the thing is, it really made him, like, be an Evidish He wanted to be, like, with Hashem. He said, Hashem, you saved my son, I'm going to serve you 100%. Wow. So, um, so then, that still didn't have such a big impact on me at that moment, but it planted seeds. And then when I graduated from college, uh, I was, you know, I was at the, in the University of Michigan. That's because I went away to school, because that's what Ashkenazi Jews do. <laughs> so, Ashkenazi secular Jews, I should say. And then I came back, and I'm a Jersey guy. That's a, the state right near New York. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go live in Hoboken, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so I lived there, and then I started going to some sort of synagogue over there. I'm not going to say which denomination or or which gender the rabbi was. Uh, and then I also started reading the Art Scroll Chumash. Okay, now this was around. I'm I'm a little bit older than uh, you know than than you. <laughs> so this was around like ninety six, ninety seven. Okay, so this was like hot off the presses before we did not have such good translations of the Chumash. Like, if you want to read something in English, it was like, Art thou, where start you? Like, you, so you even started, you're like, okay, forget about everything. <laughs> so now our school came out with a great translation, but not just a great translation, but with good commentaries Commentary, yeah. on the bottom, where they basically, a lot of Chazal, a lot of Rashi, like, they just translate a lot of things. Uh, and it, it, this is the still same the stone Chumash the yeah. same thing in every shul right now you know and it was just so I start reading it I start yeah, whatever for a reason I was going to synagogue so on Shabbos morning gave me something to do uh, so and all of a sudden it dawned on me that Hashem wrote the Torah not a bunch of guys okay and, I'm, whatever, and that's an hour talking itself so we don't have time for that but just so light bulb, light bulb. Up. Well, and, it was just, it was really um, Hazinu, Parsha Hazinu, Devarim Lamed Beis. You could read it for yourself in our uh, vast studio audience over there. And it's just, it makes such claims that basically, I'll just sum it up, that wherever the Jewish people go, they're going to be Matzliach, which is already a Fiddish. They're going to be successful. Then when we get successful, we're going to get forget about Hashem, wow. right, which definitely also happened. Unfortunately, right now, thank God, we're being successful not forgetting about Hashem, which is great. Um, and then when we forget about Hashem, there's going to be Hester upon him. Hashem's going to sort of hide his face from us, and we're going to just either get killed or simulated like every other nation, which starts happening. And then Hashem will never destroy us, and we'll still be here, but our enemies will be destroyed, and eventually we'll go back to Eretz Yisrael. So when I read that, like my Russian mathematical uh, head went into effect of so who would how can a bunch of guys two thousand years ago knew that everyone every hundred years by the way someone's trying to kill us you know and not like just in a little way you know it's not it's like in the most egregious way yep. right so and we're still here and those guys and this was shortly after the fall of communism so communist guy gone the Nazis and Mao they're gone the Holy Roman Empire the, all the other things of the history books out Hold there. over there every right. generation they come out. Right, 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 exactly. We just said it, right. Yeah, right, just like we just said on, on Pesach to the Haggadah. So, and it's true, right? And, and there was and a black and white. Yeah. And I was just like, well, okay, so there's no way a bunch of guys wrote this. I didn't think that God didn't exist. I didn't think that the world just like poofed in from a smaller world or evolved. It's like, okay, there's a God, but now what? So then when I realized he wrote the Torah, so then I said, okay, 
Hashem wrote the Torah, so now I'm Jewish. So it must be that whatever it says in here, and I didn't know so much about what it said in the Torah, right? I just knew there was a lot of food restrictions. That's basically, I, I didn't even know about Shabbos, like maybe, like I knew there was a concept of Shabbos, but keeping Shabbos was like so far away. So, um, so I was like, okay, I don't know what's in here, but there's definitely a lot of restrictions. And I was, you know, I grew up with sort of like an athletic background, where it's like the first thing I learned was no pain, no gain. So I don't, I didn't have like a particular problem with restrictions because I knew if you don't restrict, you're not going to get anywhere anyway. Like anyone who's successful, like you got to restrict a little bit, you know, if you just do whatever you want. So you know, you're probably not going to amount too, too, too much in life. So I had no issue with restrictions, Baruch Hashem. And so I was like, wow. Also, there's a lot of restrictions in the Torah, so I knew that. And I didn't know exactly what they were, so I said, okay, I'm Jewish, and Hashem wants me to do this. This must be, like, basically the most fun thing to do, because that's how I operate. So, and, so I was like, I'm going to go for it. And it was, obviously, it was easier, because my parents were already, like, I didn't have to fight them. You know, in, in the cure of episode, we do one of the things, we have to always talk to the parents, parents yeah. right? So they don't want them too religious, they don't want them too not religious, like, you know, whatever they're looking for. So, right, right. So, um, but for me, so I didn't have to have that fight, which was, like, much, much easier. So, and also there was one thing else that I was completely cognizant of, is that I was not going to become, like, uh, you know, super religious overnight. Okay, it's it. Life is a process. Life takes time. If you want to, let's say you want to learn a language, it's not going to be tomorrow. If you want to, um, you know, whatever, lose weight. If you want to become a lawyer, it doesn't happen overnight. So a lot of people they'll say like, oh, okay, I want to be religious. Okay, I'll go for it. Give me, I want to do everything. <laughs> like Kevin Rocky says, and all of a sudden the bubble solid, <laughs> right? So no, I didn't think that. So I was able to uh, just go. I didn't go to slow pace. Like about a year after this, I wound up in Israel, started keeping shops and kosher. After that, I was already was meeting my wife and getting married. Wow. So I didn't go super slow, but I just knew it was going to be a growth process. And by the way, I'm still growing. You know, and always uh, we're always growing. When I was, uh, I, uh, you know, newly married, living on the Upper West Side, we I was in a shtibel up there, and there was a known elderly. It wasn't super old, but like an eighty year old rabbi, and he said, you know. The only time in, in Judaism when you're in trouble is when you think you're there. <laughs> there is no there, right? So he said, you always, always, growing, have, to be, always, always have to be growing. Yeah, and so and that's, that's uh, whether you like it or not. If you don't think it's going to work. I have another three letters for you. A-B-G, always be going. Right, always be growing for sure. Growing, going, okay. Right, yes, A-B-T, A-B-T. You know, it's, well, the Balavai says, Hashem is pushing us, so if we think we don't always want to be growing, so he's going to make us be growing. So anyway, and that's out of love. You know, that's totally out of love, even though when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to feel that sometimes. Okay, so anyway, so now, basically, long story short, I know Hashem wrote the Torah, I sort of, uh, you know, move out of Hoboken, and, you know, I had mostly non-Jewish friends over there, and then I moved back home, and then I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to do this journey alone. I, so I went to Eretz Yisrael for a couple of weeks, and I met some other young people that also had this uh, crazy notion that Hashem wrote the Torah, and they want to learn more, right. and I started keeping Shabbos and kosher, and then I... Uh, moved to the Upper West Side, 
and uh, uh, about this is all like within about a year or so. And then the next within the next year, like I was able to meet my wife, which was great. We, we actually met at a synagogue on the north side. Rabbitson she always the Rabbitson that spoke. She, she, that's the one. <laughs> you know? So we sort of uh, we definitely grew together. We were not Rabbi Rabbitson when we met. Um, you know, I was like I wasn't even Reuben. So, <laughs> so, um, but it, you know, we've really been on this journey together. And what happened was, I actually, you know, because I was. Uh, no one told me I had to like quit my job or anything when you become religious to actually encourage working and things like that. So I was just really continuing what I was doing before, which was trading stocks. Mm. So I was a I was a stock and options trader. You know, there's always ups and downs in the market and ups and downs in every trading career. So uh, I was uh, when I met my wife was like in a, a little bit of a down phase. She actually met me when I was unemployed, so I always am uh, very grateful wow. to her for that. She believed in me though. You know? <laughs> So then shortly after we got married, it says when you, uh, that the pronounce comes from the wife. So shortly after we got married, I found this other day trading job. This is like 1999 when things were about to like take off for day trading in a big way. And uh, I wound up working there for a few years and we were living in New York and we were getting a lot of tzedakah. And then in around 2002, 2003, like I just, you know, stopped making money. Wow. Yeah, and it was like nothing I could do. It was like <laughs> the same things I did before just weren't working because it's like, you know, money's from Hashem, right? Exactly. So Hashem wants to make money, you're going to make money. Hashem doesn't want you to make money. It doesn't matter what you do. You ain't going to make any money. So, and it's, uh, you know, and everyone knows this. And and, and so besides submission, it's like life. Everyone knows. Like some guys try really hard. They're not so successful. Other guys, they have this, you know, good idea from somewhere. Like they'll make a, I don't know, like a little you know, box of, that's actually a phone or whatever is flat, yeah. and then they're, you know, they're gazillionaires. Yep. So, um, I didn't know what to do, so I, you know, because we had some savings, but when you're living in Manhattan, so that's like, and you have a wife and a couple of kids, so that's uh, going to like uh, deplete, deplete yeah. rather quickly. So, I bought a little money from my parents, and I went, uh, one of my mentors, I had like a real conversation with him, someone named Rabbi Moshe Harizi, and I said, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm learning four hours a, oh, I'm learning four hours a week. And, you know, it's just, I'm not making any money. So he looks at me, you know, it's like this very uh, intense, big brown eyes. And so he said, I wish I could do an Israeli accent right now. So he said, you're so excited. Pretend I'm doing an Israeli accent. He said, you're so excited to be learning four hours a week. He said, if I don't learn four hours a day, I'm depressed. Wow. Right? He's like, you know, Hashem wants more from you, you know? And he's like, yeah, and he's and so and, and basically that was it. Like I didn't need to hear that twice, and I started really putting in a lot of more effort. And then we wound up. We actually did wind up basically running out of money. My parents gave us like a down payment for. Luckily, it was like two thousand four, two thousand five. So you to buy a house, you just need to like sign a piece of paper with like a note from your mom, five percent down. They're like, okay, so um, they're like, no problem. So I mean, it did cost some people, but it worked for us, for sure. So um, so we moved to Passaic, New Jersey. And I'm like, was still like not, you know, working here. The work wasn't great at that point. So, you know, what am I supposed to do? I had an opportunity. I went to Coyle. Wow. Right. So I went, this was now we're fast forward to like uh, around 2006 or so. So I went, you know, I went to Coyle and I spent a couple of years there. And then, uh, you know, after any loans we took out, like really, now the money really, really depleted. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> Crazy story. Right, like many levels of depletion, Brother Shem. And um, so uh, then, 
there was Olami, who oh, was just in 2008. That's when they did like their major expansion. And I knew someone that knew someone that knew Rabbi Rudenberg from okay. Hamas. So, and he calls me, and he uh, so we're schmoozing, and he said, "Oh, by uh, by the way, um, we work not solely, but most of our students, like 75, 80 percent of our students, are Bukharian. Okay, now." And Bukharians like don't really know that Russia and Ashkenazim exist, even though the vast majority of uh, of of, uh, of, uh, of people from the former Soviet Union, Soviet Union are Ashkenazi. But people from the former Soviet Union that are Ashkenazi certainly know do not know Bukharians exist. Right. So it's too I, people don't know that, by the way. Like people, people yeah, think. it's like really it's quite amazing. So this so this was like 2008. Now I had before this conversation with Robert Greenberg, I had met one Bukharian. No. So and this was a, well, a family, and I literally I, I I remember the meeting. So it was it was a there was a pizza shop on the Upper West Side that was owned by the like the Vidala brothers, right? So and I come in there and just I want to get a piece of pizza. So there was a you know a Israeli looking guy at the counter, which is nothing surprising. You know, and it looked like someone else that could have been his relative, and like an older person could have been their father. <laughs> so, you know, on morning pizza, all of a sudden, this Israeli-looking guy, Sephardi Jew, starts speaking in Russia to his father, and I almost passed out. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you speak Russian? He's like, yes. I was like, but you're Sephardi. He's like, yes. <laughs> I was like, what are you? He's like, we're Bukhari. We've been, you know, in Uzbekistan since the destruction of the first temple. Mm-hmm. So, or thereabouts. So I could not believe it. It's like, wow, it's amazing. I was like, what? Cause I, opening, right? Right. You know, I have like a real uh, affection for Sephardim, and I am Russian. So I was like, this was like the combination of both worlds. <laughs> I like could not believe it. So I was like, okay, wow, amazing. So then I put that like somewhere in the back of my mind and give too much thought to Bukharians again. And then when Rabbi Rudenberg said that Emmett works mostly w- with Bukharians, not fully, but mostly, um, I was like, wow, I love Bukharians. <laughs> and I was just thinking, you know, was like, speak so Russian. <laughs> right? So far to speak Russian, what could be better? So I remember he's like, wait, you're Ashkenazi Russian that loves Bukharians? You're hot. You're hot. Maybe even me too. You're on board. Well, he, but he was probably played a little more hard to get than that, but that's fine. <laughs> that's basically what he said. So, um, and then, you know, we joined in May of 2008. This was like when we did the first Passaic Shabbaton. My kids were so little, we just did uh, Shabbaton this week, so it's like 15 years wow. of, uh, of Emmet, you know, and Baruch Hashem. And we've, we deal, uh, people ask me, do you deal solely with Bukharians or solely from students from the former Soviet Union? Because we, you know, we're in Baruch College, we were in Hunter College, we're in Queens College, we're in St. John's University. We're in a bunch of other schools. We have a big staff, like over 20 people, Baruch Hashem. Kudos to Rabbi Rumer, Rabbi Kraft, Ms. Muscat, Sarabi, everyone that's like, the whole team, uh, the whole team really. Yeah, I can't very, very closely works with for many years. Also, 15 right. and since, the, since right. the inception of both organizations, more or less at the same time. Right. Amazing work with college outreach and reaching out to, right. the, to the teens, uh, to, the, to the college right. students and young professionals. Right. And always yeah. growing, always growing. Always growing, because our students keep on like yep. getting older and growing. Oh, they actually things. get older, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, because college students always stay the same age. But the other ones like actually get older. I'm just like, what, I, you know, you meet people when they're 18, all of a sudden they're in their 30s, and you're just like... <laughs> and I still think I'm the same age, you know. So um, anyway, very interesting. Wow, wow, <laughs> right. what, what what a roller coaster, right? Right, right. Yes. Yeah, so there's, and by the way, every person, especially every Jew, has a story. So whatever I'm saying, just like a part 
of the story. I'm sure you have your own stories also. Just Everybody like, has yeah. their story, and that's yeah. the idea of, of this Torah talk. We, right. we get to, uh, that's the idea of Pesach right. also, which just passed, but uh, everybody says their own, in essence, exist of uh, Mitzrayim, of their, of their right. past. So very, very inspiring, just right. your story. And uh, so I just, I just want to finish yeah, just one thing. Um, people ask me, like I start off saying, do we just work with Bukharians? Do we just work with oh, people right. from the former Soviet Union? And I tell them, no, we don't. We don't discriminate. But yes, we have some Persian students also, but we don't have so many American students because in New York City, there's not that many secular American Jews left. And this is what Noah Weinberg said, how predicted 50 years ago in the 70s. He said, if we keep on going this pace, the seculars are going to assimilate, not marry, intermarry, like oh, who knows what all is going on right now. And there's just not going to be able to reproduce enough. And that's exactly what happened. If you look at Forest Hills High School in the 60s, 70s, 80s, I asked people about this, half the school was secular Ashkenazi Jews. Okay, right now, if you find a handful, literally a handful of American Ashkenazi Jews are there. I don't think you find even three or four. You know, a school of thousands of people. Where they all go? Well, the, they either moved out of the city, but at the end of the day, they didn't reproduce enough. And that's a, there's been like a silent show here, a silent Holocaust. And I think one of the things that for sure Fazak and Emmett are doing is we're trying to prevent that in the Bukhari community. And, and this uh, is something I always speak about in the world to know this, that, uh, that the window is closing. What yeah. happened to Ashkenazi Jewry you know, back then, couldn't in essence happen to these traditional Bukharians who again they're not against. They just don't know any better. Right. And we deal with these cases and these and these families, and they're they're very tmimistic, very pure. And Baruch Hashem, think the Atzlacha, the success is enormous. But we need more manpower. So everyone out there in the world, right. get more involved. Right, for sure. Cause the gold sort of like the, the the last frontier, but yeah. there's like a hundred thousand of them in, in America, and it's growing. And we, you know, we don't want them to fall to to the to the culture. You know, that's but that, but that's the way. That's the you're either. Yeah, unfortunately, you're going to be either with Hashem or the Torah, or you're going to eventually assimilate. They've already done studies on this. We've seen it, and uh, we, we would like it to not repeat. Right, Mitzvah Shem. So, so, so that's it, Rabbi. That, you said enough. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, all seriousness, okay. That, that was just a background, a little bit of background of the, of the of the Rabbi and the great work that he's involved with. Uh, but tonight's topic, like we said already, is the recipes for success. And uh, so let's just jump straight into okay. it, Rabbi. What do you say is the recipes for success, Rabbi? Right, well, there's lots of different recipes, but we're going to sort of concentrate on, like, the, the mind, the heart, and the body. Mind, okay. heart, body. Right, because I'd MHB. like to... Right, mind, <laughs> heart, body. I try to, not on purpose, but I just try to get... I, I want to uh, put in a lot of effort in a short amount of time to get the most success. Okay? okay? And so, you know, and this way you could really accomplish a lot of things with Hashem's help. So, now, the mind really is the neshama. Okay? So, the neshama is the Right? The neshama that's in our mind, that's like the, uh, where there's like three lower parts of the soul. I'm not going to get too capitalistic right now. But the neshama is basically like the soul that's rooted in our mind. Okay? And, uh, now, there's, how do we, really have a, like, a successful relationship with Hashem and the people around us and, and ourselves. So that's always the question. Okay, so we're starting with, with our mind. So now the mind is not isolated because it's, it's like really involves everything else and all your limbs and, and your heart and, and everything, of course. But the first thing is, like we talked about before, A, B, T, always be thinking. thinking. Okay, you have to always be thinking because if you're not thinking, you will just like 
the, you know, there's a nice word in Russian, I don't know if you know this word, it's called atmarozhne. Right? I mean, so it's like you're basically, you're frozen, you're numb, you're not thinking. Now, any culture that you live in, so I'm not trying to make any political statements here, but everyone wants to keep you dumb and stupid and take your money. So everything is designed, especially we have, you know, I stopped watching TV when I became religious, okay? So this was like around, I don't know, say 97, 98, okay? So, and without any gaps, I was so good. Then in 2012... Someone said, oh, you should get an iPhone. You're a three rabbi. You're four or five years behind. So I get an iPhone. The TV is in your hand. <laughs> like, at least before, when I was a kid, you had to, like, go to the TV. Now the TV is with you. So, like, talk about, like, major frozen and, and numb. So, Bokshem, I, like, after a quick recovery, I got rid of internet. And it's like, that's it. Like, I'm trying to use my, uh, use, use my iPhone, not have my iPhone use me. <laughs> so, that's fine. So, um... So, so we always have to be thinking, and some of the most important things to do in Yiddishkeit actually is, is already told to us. Um, the Ashkenazim read every morning. Sephardim, they also have the Elu Devarim, it's a Mishnah. So if you really want to like be do the most you can in this world, it already says, these are the things that if you do in this world, you're going to enjoy them in this world. But the real Karen, the real... Um, the principle is going to be in the next world. So the first thing, and this is, uh, some people are much better at this than others, especially the Bukhari community, is honoring your parents. Mm-hmm. All right? So if you want, you want to have your mind aligned with Hashem, start honoring your parents because that is going to cause you to think about how much they did for you, how much gratitude you need to have, and it's going to go over to Hashem also. Next thing, I'm just going in order. This is a mission. I didn't make it up. <laughs> so, so the next thing is Gimelut Chasadim. Yes. Right? Acts of kindness. Do nice things for people. Right? That also gets you thinking. Think, everyone should ask themselves. I'm talking to myself also. So, did you do something nice for someone today? You know? Right? A, a, a nice... Now, what are Gimelut Chasadim? They're acts of kindness that are a little bit uncomfortable. Right? A little bit uncomfortable. So, if someone... Uh, oh, like the best example is people ask you for money. Right, if you're in shul, whatever. Every time anyone asks you for money, it's always the wrong time. They're like, "Bother you? Like, oh, I don't want to talk to this person. <laughs> Give them some money." That's like it's a, you know, no one has cash anymore, but most of them have credit cards. Give them your credit card. You know, not make sure you write down the number. But, <laughs> but uh, that that's that's an example. That's an example. But there's so many things you could do, and you have to be thinking, "What can I do today?" Just one act of kindness today. Okay, next is you have. It says you have to go. If you're, if you're, this is if you're male, go to synagogue early. You know, go to synagogue, go to Beit Midrash. That's a whole different feeling when you're in the shul in the Beit Midrash. It's like you're alive. You like feel Hashem. You feel Yiddishkeit. You're in the right avir, in the right environment. So you're going to synagogue. So we got honoring your parents, doing acts of kindness, making sure you go to synagogue. Next, having guests over. We were probably one of the greatest things that ever happened to me is I married a lady that wants to have an open house. Even though it's not super easy, right? It's not easy for any woman. And before COVID, we literally, Leanne Hara, we were probably on 40 Shabbos in the year. Anywhere from four to like whatever, 54 guests. And it was, there's nothing like Shabbos to change a person because we was in Kirov. There's nothing like the Shabbos experience that helps a person become more observant. And, and the reason why is because basically you take a secular person and for 25 hours, just obviously by confiscating the electronics, <laughs> uh, for, but for 25 hours, they 
live like a religious Jew. And after that, they said, wow, I like that feeling. You know, it's great. You couldn't do that in communist Russia because then suddenly you have to go to jail. But here in America, we're lucky. You know, you can do that. And there's nothing like Shabbos that really changes the person. So, and how do you have, how do you let people experience Shabbos? Invite them over. Have an open home. Right? So have people over. Every time you have people over, something good's going to happen. That's how you have to look at it. So next, Bikr Fulman. Visit the sick. You know, when you see, what happens when you visit the sick? When you see someone's not doing so great, you feel like, I'm so lucky. Right? You, you, you stop taking things for granted. You know, I, uh, <laughs> right, cars and me don't always get along. So on Purim this year, someone ran over my foot. Right, it was like, oh, thank God it was only my foot. So it could have been much worse. They were going the wrong side of the street. I was crossing the street. Oh, I wasn't oh. looking. So boom. So and I'm, I'm still recovering, actually. It's like, thank God it's going fast, but it's, you know, it hasn't even been two months yet. So I'm, I'm basically almost walking normal. You know? And when something like that happens to you, then you start noticing, like, oh, there's other people that are also not doing well. But you know what? They have much more wrong with them than a foot. And so when you talk to them, when you do Bikr Kholim, you feel so lucky. And we were taught when you see someone that's worse off than you for whatever reason, you have to do two things. And it's important to do, to do them in this order. First of all, ask, thank Hashem that you have it so good. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Have a car so tight. Tell Hashem you have it so good. And the second thing is, daven for them to have chizuk, to be mechazek, that they should be able to do what they need to do. So... Um, and, when, and that's when you see when you visit sick people try to make them feel better first you should feel Bakshab, you know I, I'm not doing so bad and then second of all daven for them and that tefillah really works and it's so humbling okay next you know tefillah concentrate when you pray what is harder today than concentrating your prayer like it's like it was always hard because I remember you know I was I did become religious before the iPhone it was still hard to pray but now it's like almost impossible you know and so one of the things you really have to do is first of all slow things down right you have to slow things down and give yourself time it's, it's so hard when you're rushed, you know. So I remember when I worked on Wall Street, we had this like mincha minion. There was like uh, random mincha minions. Like you're in the middle of the, you know, you're the market's open, everything's flying, but you have to down mincha, so you run and you down with it, you know. Okay, it counts for something, but it, it, it's not ideal. So, and one of the things I really try to do is like, I really try to not bring my phone to show, you know, so because uh, it's just, if it's designed to take your attention. It's not like you're weak if you're paying attention to the phone. It's like they had thousands of people that are very smart and they spent millions if not billions of dollars designing how to you know keep you glued to it. So you're not gonna win. There's no win. The win is leave it at home. You know? So and then um, last but certainly not least, I'm gonna flow into the heart here, is you, you make uh, shalom, you make peace between man and his fellow and between Ishri Ishta uh, husband and wife, and starting with yourself, I'm assuming. <laughs> so like, yes, I'm making peace with them. <laughs> I can help you, but right, no, start start at home. Everything starts at home. So, and if you do these things, your mind is going to be forced to think, and you're going to be forced to be with Hashem. I'm not going to repeat them, but it's in everyone's center that's watching this today, right? But actually, do them. Don't read them. Read them, people. And I think, like, why don't people? It already tells you. 
this is going to be good for you in this world. I like things that's good for me in this world, you know? So, and not only that, but Hashem's going to make a special trick. In the next world, we'll keep you all the reward really there. So, what what could be better? So, they're not easy. If they were easy, you know, it wouldn't be worth so much. But if you do them, you'll be thinking, your mind will be connected to Hashem, and it's going to be amazing. So now we're flowing to the heart, the Ruach, okay? And that, this is really like Shalom Bayes. Okay, now, Shalom Bayes is super difficult today, okay? And, but it's for a good reason, really. Because uh, there, there's a, I read in this book called Beyond Mars and Venus, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the same guy wrote Mars and Venus, he said, he took it back. He said, I, mm. he, was, he, was, he said, oh, I made a mistake, mm. right? It's Beyond Mars and Venus. <laughs> Why? What did he say? He said that before, I don't know before, but let's say before 2000, before the year 2000, People were basically role mates, okay? Like, and you know, it's like the grandparents, the great grandparents. Like the fa- the grandfather did A, and the grandmother did B, and they had very distinct roles, and they weren't looking for this like awesome relationship where they're best friends and they're you know helping the world together and they have a great life and intimate life. And they weren't. That wasn't. Well, they're just trying to survive. But now we live in a more comfortable time, and people are not looking to be role mates anymore. What are they looking to be now? Soulmates. Now, to be a role mate is hard enough, but it's doable. To be a soulmate, you got to put in a lot of effort, right? You got to put in a lot of effort, and um, you know. So, how do we do that? So, I've had the honor to really work with a lot of cousins, uh, with a lot of uh, grooms, and uh, especially I started working with with myself and trying to get this relationship right. Um, the first thing is I always ask the. Um, grooms that are about to get married. Why does Hashem want us to get married? Right? So everyone's, the number one answer is, Tom kids. So I, <laughs> right, As I said to them, look, you could do that without getting married. So, uh, so I tell them, the reason why I have to get married, especially for the man, obviously the woman's like along for the ride too, um, is to perfect himself in this world. Hashem wants us to get married, to perfect ourselves in this world, and that's why it's not good for man to be alone. Because mm-hmm. if we're alone, Every guy thinks he's perfect, right? And if he's not sure, his mom will confirm it, <laughs> right? So, like, what's no issues, right? I'm per- oh, yeah, I'm not okay. I'm not perfect. I'm so bad, you know. Then you get a wife. Azer Kenendo, right? If if you're doing the right thing, she's helping you. If you're doing the wrong things, the Gemara Rashi point out Kenendo Lumelachim to make war, you know. And so, I tell her, your wife is. I'm talking to myself. Right, your wife is just Hashem's number one messenger to you to help you become the greatest person you can be. So do not kill the messenger. Wow. Right? There's just setting there's just coming from Hashem. And that's it. And uh, we have actually a weekly Shalom Bias pointer that we we sent out. We have like a, a close to a thousand people that we wow. for every partial. There's some kind of different way to make to that Bais. right connection to Shalom Bias. Some partials are harder than others. So so gracious uh, reason, you know. Yeah. So and, there, and something in that in that theme, like that's the first theme that we have to realize that we're here to perfect ourselves, and our wives are here to help us do that. Now, what about really everyone's here to help us? But the thing is, everyone else you can really run away from. Right? Mm. The, the wife, it, it's harder. Right? <laughs> so, and it, it's better. It's better not to run away, and it's better to make it work. And but it is work. 
because we want it to work for the women, to work for the men. I'm just talking from the guy side right now. For the ladies' side, you can talk to my wife. <laughs> so uh, she really speaks so much about this, um, and it really has helped the Mechazik so many women. I, I'm, I'm lucky to have it. So, um, so for, from the guy's side, we, ju- we just have to remember that our wife is here to help us, and Hashem's sending them, and whether they're against us or... Uh, Helping us, they're really here to help. The Natsiv, uh, when I read this, I was like, I so, had so much physics, so much uh, inspiration. inspiration. He said, When is your wife really helping you? And she goes against you. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? oh, wow. so, and he talked about his own life. He, this is written in, a, in one of the only real biographies called My Uncle the Natsiv. It's in English, it's translated. And uh, he says there, he was like, obviously, he was a genius, but he's sitting in the back of the shul, right? And no one really noticed him. But his wife's sister was married to the Orach Shalfa, mm-hmm. right? Orach Shalfa was like the God of the door. So his wife would beat him. Come on, wait, wait. my my sister's married to Orach Shalfa. You're sitting back in the shul, and he he became one of the greatest rabbis. And he said it because of his wife. Encouragement, right? in, in, encouragement, exactly. So it was, it was beautiful. So that's the, so that's the first thing when it comes to the heart. The man is to know that his wife loves him. And she's just here to help him. Now, by the way, is this hard? It's super hard. It's super hard because we have emotions, we have ego, we have everything. But, you know, okay, whatever. It's hard. The ladies watching out there, you know, they're going to tell the husbands, listen to what the rabbi (laughs) said. Right. (laughs) Case per case basis. Right. Whatever. It's, It's not easy. And for the ladies watching... Because you have this power, be nice to your husbands. <laughs> There's some great books out there, you know. Uh, so talking about how to be like a beautiful laser connector to make thing, things as crazy as possible, right? But honestly, sometimes like the ladies, tr- like they really try, but they're going to have their moments because Hashem needs certain things to happen, and sometimes we're slow on uptake. You know, I'm just speaking from personal experience. So um, then the next thing, okay, the next thing I I, I discuss with myself and everyone else who wants to listen is that when you think about it what's the worst thing that man has ever done man like human beings it was when Adam Harishon blamed everything on his wife okay and the, the main thing you have to do because remember the setup the snake came to Chava Chava said to uh, to Adam eat from the tree I was like oh I ate then it's just like what'd you do it's like well you know the woman that you gave me <laughs> not even was it like he removed himself very far the woman that you gave me, she gave for me to for the tree, and and I ate. It was all her fault, and that's like the biggest type of for men. The biggest desire for men is as soon as something goes wrong, that's it. That's all her fault, right? It's a must have married the wrong person, government. So chas v'shal, and we have to remember that it may not necessarily be our fault, but at home it's our responsibility. Right? It's not. It may not be your. This is my mantra. It may not be your fault, but it's your responsibility. Because okay. you're, you know, we're supposedly running the ship. If you want to say, oh, it's no, my wife told me it's okay, fine. She's running the ship. So, um, the, so that's what. That's really the two main things when it comes to the heart and shalom bayit. Is you have to remember your wife's here to help you, and obviously for the ladies, the husband's here to help them. But like they have this really special role of laser connecto, and that the man can never blame things on his wife. I mean, as soon as you blame something on your wife, you get from Gan Eden to here. It's, it's, a, it's a big fall. So, and it's very hard. And we keep on like, you know, humanity is like constantly Jewish, not Jewish, but constantly making the same mistake. 
And uh, when I do like uh, Shalom Bayes uh, counseling, so one of the first thing, th- this is like the, uh, the the point of no return, is when the guy thinks he's like totally in the right, and the woman, because she's more emotional, everything's her. So the first thing I have to do is try to get him out of thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And then we have something to work with. So that, and the, that's, uh, so that's the heart. So the heart that's that's the Ruach. And by the way, the heart is associated with the Ruach. And what's ruach is breath, but ruach is also speech. And so the way you really man, you really have shalom bias is through speaking, right? And especially the, the, the man should speak less and, and listen more. But that's how the couple really works through speaking to one another. That that's makes that that's what gives the heart the energy. Powerful. Powerful. Okay, so we got the body. Right, the body. Oh, the body. Uh, the, the body actually is the easiest. I mean, the mind is so complex. <laughs> the heart is even like, is so complex. The body is like the the nephish, right? It's like the you know our, like a little animal, right? It's it's so easy to work with, but people don't like that either. So we've started um, actually uh, doing fourteen day challenges, where I challenge people to eat according to Chazal. And mm-hmm. lose up to ten pounds in fourteen days. Wow! Right now, of course, Ruben, this is uh... it, well. We've had a, close to two hundred people do it so far, and um, we're just getting going. We just started three months ago, and people are doing the average weight loss for the first weeks like around seven half eight pounds, and then but people keep going because I get them addicted to feeling good, oh. and be, because what happens is, first of all, people are. Um, eating healthy instead of unhealthy so we basically eliminate sugar in like a fun way people are also uh, eating according to the times Chazal set up for us now breakfast and these three meals a day when are, when is the Jew supposed to have three meals? Shabbos that's the Kiddush of Shabbos so sure it's not huge breakfast like with pancakes <laughs> cereal bagels and lots oh, yeah, you're going to pass out especially if you're over 25 years old it's, like it's not going to work for you so, we have, instead of three meals, we have two meals. There's many places throughout the Gemara that we talk about two meals. Like, it's, it's constantly, it's a constant topic. We do not have three meals a day. So, we have your first meal, which consists of, uh, of lechem, some bread. And, hard, yeah. Well, it's not pashtapas, it's, it's lechem, because we have uh, lechem, the biker, it was bite. Mm. We, have, we eat bread in the morning to satisfy ourselves, so we have some bread and some vegetables, fresh vegetables. And then in the evening we have busser, the Arab apple. So we eat meat at night and like nice fatty meat, none of this sweet stuff. And then we have also pashakris. So pashakris is this thing that, whether you're a man or woman, this is like what you eat like after davening. And it's a small amount of food, maybe two ounces of food. And that gives you lots of energy. So you can find yeah, we can find out more about it. We're uh, we're launching a website, thefitju.com. Fitju.com. Yeah, why not? Okay. But you know, because it's this is so basically, you're eating correctly. You're eating according times of Chazal. You're eating for energy. Food's not supposed to make you feel like passing out. You know, and you're eating. All we eat to live. We don't live to eat. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And <laughs> and it, it's hard. It's really hard. Like the amount of food now. My mom <laughs> told me that like basically in the old country. Like you get a chicken, so that lasts. That's like five people for three days because you uh-huh. cut it up. You have like you know you have your like uh, whatever. I don't you know. Mm-hmm. Food, you have your chicken soup. You have your this. You have like your uh, you know your uh, patties. Yeah. It lasts for five. It lasts for three days for five people. Yeah, chicken is gone, <laughs> right? So of course, what people have, like in a normal kiddush, that was like 
the whole Shabbos day meal for a family, you know, and so, and so of course it's, it's going to be tough. So, so anyway, so we are eating the right foods. We are um, eating important times because I'll set up. We are also uh, eating for energy. We are not being we're not being slaves to food and. Like Mamela, of course, you're going to come to the weight that you want to be at and the normal weight for you. So that that's uh, that's the body in a nutshell. Okay, okay amazing. So, 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 Rabbi, how do each of these three ingredients play a role towards a successful life? Like that's the topic of tonight's program: recipes right. for success. Right. So there. Um, so if everyone's familiar with the concept of alignment, right, you need to have like an alignment between your neshama, right, basically your mind, your Ruach, your heart, and your nefesh, right? It's all aligned, come, coming together. When you can do that, that's the way you're going to serve Hashem best. That's where you're going to feel most whole. And so when you're doing the right things, like in a spiritual way, the things we discussed, honor your parents, going to shul, every, and obviously keeping Shabbos, everything, so then you are, your neshama's in the right place, your mind's in the right place. Then when you have shalom bias, right? When you're realizing that you're supposed to be a team with your spouse when you respect each other. So and that flows over to the kids. Then your heart's in the right place. And then when you're eating correctly, and you know, it's a huge difference, yeah. then you feel good also. So and you're then you're going to be successful. Better. And that's, that, that's the alignment. And that's, that's, really we're, that's really what we're trying to do. Wow, powerful. So, it's true. It's 100% true. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Kigo, very, very beautiful insights and gems. We have a minute of custom over here on Torah Talks that uh, we leave the rabbi with one final message for our audience, another uh, you know, thought, idea, story, whatever uh, comes to mind, Rabbi. Okay. Um, <laughs> to give a few seconds there. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, this was not prepared. Uh, okay, so... Um, if I could... Uh, you know, there's just there's so much to say. If I could leave everyone with one thought, I guess, is the most important thing, and just coming off of Pesach, is like really such so, such an important concept. You remember Dainu. Of course. Right? Exactly. So... Hashem has given us so much. You know, we, my father and I always joke around, soyes, that means like we have everything. In Russia, you have to wait online for everything. Here, like, so far, right? You have everything. Even when you didn't have stuff, you still have stuff, right? And so, it comes to your door also. Right, it comes to your door. <laughs> so you're going to have like a, a, you know, the, the little plane drop it off, whatever it is. We need to have so much so much appreciation, appreciation gratitude for Hashem for everything that we have in our lives, for how lucky we are. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Don't wait till God forbid, something's taken away from you. It's real. Oh, I really want this. Yes. Practice Akar Satoyv. All the things that we discussed, especially when we were talking about the mind, involves Akar Satoyv. It involves gratitude. Because when you realize your parents, the guests, doing acts of kindness, visiting the sick, dominating, all that, like so much gratitude is flowing. When you have a relationship with your spouse, the key to that relationship is having gratitude, right? When the person, when the husband is grateful for everything his wife brings to the table, when the wife is grateful for everything her husband brings to the table, of course, it's not It's not supposed to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. In this world, Olam Hazza, right? I want to translate the other way also, right? In Olam Hazza, it's not set up to be perfect. The imperfection is the perfection, right? If it's perfect, it would be the next world. So, and of course, uh, you know, when you have gratitude, that is when things really change, when you have a car so that's the main thing. You have to remember, we're doing all this stuff for Hashem. 
because we're grateful to him. We're doing for everyone in our life. We we do things because we're grateful to what they bring to us. We Appreciation, have to have an attitude of gratitude. Right. Yes, it seems like a, a great catchphrase. It seems like a, the the non-Jews have also come out to that. Baruch Hashem, we will. We love to lend them stuff. Why not? You know, it's not just for us. We actually one of the most amazing things, and I'll, I'm going to leave it at this. And this is what Kira is really all about. Um, uh, there's a thought that let's say you know something and other people don't. You keep it to yourself, right? And Judaism is like the antithesis of that because we say every day, three times a day, we are required to praise Hashem. But not only that, we have to tell everyone about Hashem and we have to pray for Avodah Zarah to go away. So besides praying, you can actually be active and tell people about Hashem that don't know about Hashem if you can't tell someone, support someone that can, <coughs> and <laughs> so just just me and you, and uh, and that's the ultimate gratitude. Telling other people about Hashem is the greatest way to really pay it forward. And that's what I want to Amazing, Rabbi Reuven Kigel Shlita, inspiring words, message. Uh, we want to thank you for all that you do for Klaus, for the Jewish people, continue yeah. spreading the light. Changing the world, making the world a better place. We want to thank everyone for joining us to yet another Chazak Torah Talks. Every Tuesday night we have special guests on various different topics. We really appreciate you uh, viewing and being inspired. Please uh, forward, share, like uh, this message and forward it to the whole world. Let's uh, inspire others like the rabbi said beautifully. And we want to thank and give a shout out to dailygiving.org. Your dollar really goes a very, very far away. Uh, that uh, supports this amazing cause and we also want to give a shout out to Torah Anytime for hosting this uh, uh, podcast, this the Torah Talk along with all the other platforms. Thank you very much. Shout out to Rabbi and to Natan and to Natan and to Rahman and to the whole Kazakh team and everyone at Emmet. Yes, Emmet. Big I, shout out. I, I our can't dear partner, you by name but you're all amazing. Yes, yes. Very, very dear friends. Continue spreading the light. Doing amazing work with the college outreach and college campuses and all the other and big beyond. programs and beyond. That's right. Very, very dear partners from day one. Continue spreading the light in the auditorium. We should see the Gula Shlema. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.